giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben, and I'm here today with the one and only Derek Reimer. Hey, Derek. Hey, Ben. So how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Ben? I'm good. You look well. Thanks. Did you get a haircut or something? Uh, I didn't, but I often will try to do my hair extra well and dress nicely if I want to try to have a really productive day. Oh, yes, <laughs> totally. So you can. We have an episode about that. We do, where we talk about dressing for success and uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's called Productivity Starts with a Haircut. Yeah, exactly. I think is the title. Yep. Cool. So you were saying pre-show that you had had a good week with uh, shipping stuff. Yeah, I feel like this is a this has been a great shipping week, and uh, hats off to all you out there who shipped something this week. Yeah, um, I've been getting the the rush of excitement and a little bit of fear and the whole cocktail of emotions that come with shipping stuff. Same, but, uh, actually. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about your experience. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's like almost six years ago, we did a company retreat on Cape Cod, uh-huh. and somebody went out and bought a captain's hat. I don't know how to describe it other than that. It has like anchors on it, and it's white and a little black brim, and it yep. became the shipping hat. Ah. So like if you shipped a thing, you'd wear the captain's hat. Nice. Yeah. I love those little traditions. We have a, we have one on the drip team where we have this apple cider vinegar called fire cider, mm. um, and we all take shots of it. We call it our launch juice. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So I think we're doing a double shot today. So this week we we shipped most of um, the feature that we're calling live segments, which is that Redis caching segment optimization feature. Nice. So that's been gradually getting rolled out. And then also hat tip to Anna, the director of drip education, shipped the first part of our official certification course. So anyone who wants to get officially certified with drip. Oh, interesting. There's this really meaty course you can take, and at the end of the process, I think you get some kind of official certification badge, and uh, she's been working on that for months. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Lots of good stuff happening. So, yeah. you're, you're building an army of people that are going to use Drip for their clients, is the idea? Yeah. There's a lot of people who will write into support and say, hey, I want more help setting up my account. I want, like, really advanced concierge stuff, and we just don't, we don't have the bandwidth on our internal team to kind of do those services for everybody, but there's... A number of folks out there who have already kind of been doing unofficial drip consulting mm-hmm. for for people. So this is just a way to officially give them certification, so that we can you know have a directory of people who are officially drip certified. And um, then when anyone writes in and you know wants full account setup, we can just kind of point them over to one of those folks. That's very cool. Yeah, I like it. It's nothing like being able to recruit people to help sell your product effectively. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you definitely can't do it in the early days. You have to have a sure, certain sure, level sure. of traction. And, but yeah. it's, it's solving problems for people. And if it's complicated enough, there are people that will solve them on your behalf. And that's very right. cool. Yep. It's, so I, I have a roommate who's involved in real estate. And as I started getting to know Drip and using it myself, I was like, so like, what do you do when like you get someone's email address at an open house? He's like, oh, like I, I try to remember to follow up with them in the next couple of days. I was like, okay, do you like, do you, and like, if they don't respond, what do you do? He's like, oh, it just kind of, it just kind of drops. Yep. And I was like, yep. man, this is this would be a good opportunity if I that were the kind of thing I wanted to go focus my time on. Right. Like you could basically you know, set up drip for real estate people, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it would have a, an impact on their business. Totally. Yep. Very cool. So live segments is almost, you're like rolling it out by, by piece or something? Yeah, this has been the most, probably the most piecemeal shipping that we've done of a feature of this magnitude. But mm-hmm. I think it was, it's been really 
a good approach to to use. So started out building it, um, as I kind of talked about before, building it as its own subsystem. So we already had the concept of saved segments in Drip, but yep. I really didn't want to start tearing apart that code and changing it in any significant way to start with. So, you know, we started like literally had new database tables for these new types of segments. And I had like tabs in the app for creating them and, and just some basic UI that was hidden from most people behind a flag. Mm-hmm. So we could start going through and essentially converting people's existing segments into these live segments, you know, once once things were ready to start testing out. And then I could keep those running side by side with the old style segments and then run scripts to keep comparing them to make sure that our live segments were actually staying up to date properly. Mm-hmm. So really, it was just like all additions to the code base and no no changes mm. um, to existing constructs. That was kind of phase one. Mm-hmm. And once everything was kind of stable there, then there was a pass of like going through and merging the two concepts together. Because there was already a number of places in drip where you can reference an existing segment like you can build criteria in one place that says does this subscriber belong in this other segment and there's an id already kind of hard-coded to that segment so mm-hmm. you know i didn't want to have to go through and like remap those ids or potentially break some other part that's relying on that id still being valid mm-hmm. and there was really no need to have like two different database tables for the same concept so Phase two was kind of going through and merging those. And then we had like a flag on there that was basically like, is this a live segment or not? And if it's not, then just treat it like the old style behavior where we try to load the subscribers on demand. Mm-hmm. But if it's already been populated, then, you know, the flag is set to true. And then we can rely on our on our Redis data for that. So so are the live segments are cached, but then like continually updated as things change, right? That's right. Yeah, that's funny. It's, it's the name live makes it like it's it's funny like actually more cached than before but now it's live. right yeah it's kind of a misnomer so actually we're like the flag on the database table is called cached like it's not live <laughs> yeah 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 that's funny. um but it sounds yeah. better live segment sounds good yeah it's kind of our internal name for it i don't know if that'll ever make it onto any kind of public interface but oh i see um yeah so you said that you're shipping that are you telling people about it or is it since it's kind of like a back-endy performance thing are you keeping it kind of quiet it's actually going to stay, like, I don't think there's any plans to do a big reveal of it. We're definitely reaching out to all of our largest customers once it's fully shipped. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell them, like, hey, go check out your segments. They're all really fast now. And, you know, this is kind of how things work now. Because some of our largest customers were starting to feel the pain of these things running really slowly or just continually timing out. Yep. So um, it's going to be good news for them. So segments are like a saved query, effectively. Right. But will there be any speed up for people that are building new queries on the fly? Yeah. So the flow pre-live segments was basically we would try to run it on the fly. And after a few seconds, if the query wasn't returning, we would swap out the interface and say, like, we would show a happy drippy and then we'd show like a concerned looking drippy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That was basically like, huh, this segment's taking a little while to populate. And the best we could do at that point was to show a button that someone could click and it would email our support with the information about the query they were trying to run. Mm-hmm. And then support would kind of look at it and see if there's any way they can structure it better to be more performant. Mm-hmm. So th- that was the best we could do. And and maybe the results would return or if they repeatedly refresh the page, you know, kind of warm up the database cache and eventually come back. Mm-hmm. Now that we have the ability to cache things, we can basically tell people after a certain amount of time, like, hey, this is taking a while. We're going to do it in the background and we'll send you an email when it's ready to go. Hmm. Or at some point, give you like an in-app notification. So if you're if you're hanging out in Drip, you'll see a little notification pop up. Huh, interesting. And then that interface will work in all the different places where you can 
specify subscriber criteria. So like when you're creating a, a broadcast and you're specifying what recipients you want, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you try to run a query there and it's slow, then we'll tell you like, we're going to work on this in the background. And then that email you get will like retain the same context. So we'll, we'll send you back to that broadcast recipients tab and tell you like your broadcast recipients are ready to view. Nice. Yeah. We're going to basically leverage them as a way to do background processing instead of just telling people like, oops, we can't compute this. Sorry. Got it. And so does it background process it and then cache that result or no? Yeah. So that result is cached and it's, we have like a, the concept of a temporary segment. So mm-hmm. when those are generated on the fly, they're essentially temporary and they don't show up in your list of saved segments. Mm-hmm. And then we have a process that'll go through and garbage collect, you know, any temporary segments that are no longer being referenced by a broadcast or a bulk operation after a certain amount of time. Cool. So it was interesting because this week I was doing a lot of stuff in Drip. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're not one of your larger customers, but we have like 20-something thousand people. And I was constantly doing things like, show me everybody who asked to hear about this bundle but and said they manage developers but hasn't gotten this email and building these queries. And I was starting to get some of those things where I was like, I got that message like, this is taking too long. Click here to optimize. Yeah. Uh, So it was interesting to be like, oh, nice. I I know that they're working on this. Yep. And you know what? One of the other interesting things that came about is... So basically, this whole criteria blob right now translates down into this giant SQL query that has a bunch of joins in it. Mm-hmm. And so we found for really large accounts, there are some queries that will like literally never finish. Or like we, we found they've been running in some background process at times for eight hours. Mm. And like, you, yeah. know, you spot on the new relic graph, like something's going on with the database and you look and there's like this big old query that's been running for a long time. Mm. So we have like two different strategies for doing this. One strategy is try to run the SQL and see if it'll return in a reasonable amount of time. And if it doesn't, then we fall back to a strategy where we loop over all the subscribers in your account and just check, do they belong in this segment or not? Huh. So that's kind of like, I'm sure there's like a, you know, an optimal time to let the query run before we switch to the looping strategy. Mm. And we're going to kind of figure that out by looking at real world data to figure out what the optimal time is. But um, right now we're just kind of taking a guess, like let it run for 60 seconds or two minutes and then flip to looping if that's not returned. That's really interesting that that sometimes is faster because that that feels to me like that should mean the database is messed up in some way. Yeah. Like if I can just do a, a linear scan through everything quicker than you can tell me as a database, like something, I mean, maybe it's not, but that feels off to me. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's partly like if we could keep all our indexes in RAM, then mm. I think certainly the database would be able to do it faster. But I think, yeah, I don't know if there's, uh, we've done so much toying around with Postgres trying to hint it in different ways. And maybe we'll get to the point where it'll be faster, but it's nice to have kind of that fallback. Yeah. And then uh, we're looking at spinning up more read replicas of our database so we can just spread these reads out. Mm-hmm. And they're relatively small queries. For any for checking criteria for any given subscriber, usually it's like, do they have this tag or have they received this email? So that's just a simple like select, does this record exist? As opposed to saying like, give me a result set that may contain hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Mm. So Cool. So that sounds like a good week. You're feeling good? I'm feeling good. Yeah. And we're, so we're in the process right now of like populating everybody's existing segments and populating the cache for them. Uh-huh. And um, it's been a good exercise to do to roll it out slowly because we are continuing to spot little tiny edge cases. Like I just spotted one this morning where if, a, if criteria contains something like, you know, filtering on subscribers who have a tag that contains a certain substring, there's an edge case in our code where that segment may not be kept up to date. Hmm. So like little tiny edge cases that I keep spotting using my verification script. Mm. And so it feels good to squash those. You know, now we have 3,000 segments, I think, currently 
cached and being kept up to date. So we're getting this ever-growing base of test cases to make sure that we're doing it right. Gotcha. And that's going to Redis? Yes. And then persisted yep. somehow, somewhere? Yeah. So the Redis, uh, yeah, so we have a set for each segment, basically, yes. that's maintained in Redis. And we can always look back to the database to repopulate if we need to. Um, gotcha. So the verification is basically taking all the IDs in Redis for a given segment and then running the query, comparing the results and making sure we're staying accurate. That's cool. Is that Redis thing going to be like a strictly in-memory cache that will just, like if, if, if Redis went down, you would repopulate it over time? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, the idea is to keep it as stable as possible. So we have replication set up on our Redis cluster, and we have Sentinel kind of watching over all the nodes to make sure, like, if one of them goes down, then automatically fail over to another node. Mm -hmm. So we're trying hard to make sure that, like, we never get in a situation where we lose our whole persistent Redis data set. Mm -hmm. But if we did, we could always repopulate. Cool. So I like the sound of how you have been rolling this out as a developer who has shipped things with a big bang before versus incrementally. Yeah. Incrementally is a lot less stressful. Yeah. And tends to just go better. Like there are fewer, you catch, like, like you said, you, you're catching issues as you go and they're kind of like right. little each time and you can fix them on the fly. There's been like a temptation to just ship it, just roll it out for everybody. But at the stage we're at now, we can't afford to make big mistakes in a big way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm just trying to take pleasure in the fact that like, we're doing this gradual rollout and at each phase, it's turned out to be valuable. Like we're catching edge cases, we're doing it cautiously. And so, yeah, no regrets. Mm -hmm. So this this is a technical thing that you're doing seemingly in response to like scaling issues, I guess, yep. or like your, your customers are big enough and you have enough in the database that this is sort of a scaling thing. Yep. Is that more and more of your day and week and quarterly planning are taken up by things like that? Yeah, I would say that it's ever increasing. Mm -hmm. um, We've often wondered, you know, a year or two ago, we're like, man, how is it that some of these software teams grow so large? You know, what can they possibly be doing? I mean, we're just, we're cranking out features. We're making, we're moving at a fast pace and we don't need this giant team. And I think the, the realization is that, yeah, you get to a certain point of scale and you need people just to kind of watch over different subsystems and gather stats on them and make sure that they're performing properly and continually improving and optimizing. So I think that's that's definitely a shift. It's been gradual, which is nice with organic growth, you know. Mm -hmm. But we're we're definitely like trying to get more scientific about our performance optimization and gathering more data. We're actually another thing we're working on is purely internal, but we're setting up Prometheus for just being able to instrument our entire app and pipe data into this system so that we can basically graph the performance of any tiny thing that we instrument and figure out, you know, are the changes we're making improving performance or causing degradation? Nice. So, yeah, I feel like when you're early, you can afford to just kind of capture the low-hanging fruit, and you see this part is really slow, so let's fix it. But at a certain point, you need to, like, really get more data-driven about it. So. Yeah, that makes sense, because it's just more complicated. It's harder to know if you've actually improved it or not. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the pieces interact. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, so I'm having a good week as well. I shipped a thing. Yeah, our bundle with Ruby Tapas is live right now. Nice. Um, we launched it on Monday. I had a stressful Sunday night, which I basically did to myself. There was just more left than we expected, like yeah. as kind of always happens. And yep. I haven't worked a weekend in a long time, but I worked. I worked this last weekend, and our des uh, the designer that's that's helping out on this, Jason, did the same. So Sunday night, I deployed the pages, the sales pages, and. They were behaving in a really wonky way, which mm. is like I had this. There, there was this route. The page would 404 when hitting URL. So like I would load in development, 
page would work. I pushed it to production, hit that URL, 404. If I added .html to the end of it, it would, be, it would load. What? Yeah, exactly. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. We're trying to, like, we're, no, it's like 11 o'clock at night. We're like launching the next day. And I'm like, and I just, I got to this point where I was like, this is confusing. And also I'm getting too tired. Like, I can't, this, yeah. I need to sleep first. Yep. And, and I think like if I did one thing right, it was to realize like, I'm not going to solve this right now. Like try to relax, put like close the computer and then I'm going to just kind of get up kind of early and try to figure this out. Yep. And I actually still don't know what the heck that was about. I think it was a caching thing. Ah. So Upcase uses Fastly, which mm-hmm. every so often does some like leads to some confusing behavior when there are like new routes or or routes that used to point to one thing, but now they point to another and like have gotten cached in yeah. a kind of surprising way. So I think part of it was just I think I think that was probably the root cause, although I never really solved it for myself to, to full satisfaction. But it started working. <laughs> is it a is it like a Rails app behind the the page or is it static? Uh, it is a Rails app, yeah. Okay. But we did have one weird thing where it's like, so we have the old email capture page, which is just like, something's coming, like, give us your email. Yeah. And then I wanted to 301 that to the sale. And I set that up. And then I changed the URL of the sales page. And Fastly had cached that initial redirect. And so I kept hitting that thing. And it was going to like to the old URL and being like, there's nothing here. Yep. So it was it was confusing, but then we figured. So you, it out. you encountered one of the hardest problems in computer science. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually, both both of us have been working on the hardest problems. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was stressful, but it, but it all came together actually, and we launched on time, and everything has been going well. So we're at eighty four thousand in uh, revenue. Wow. Uh, which I'm congrats. Yeah, thank you. Which I'm pretty happy with. We're splitting we're splitting that with Avdi, so we don't get all of it, mm-hmm. but it's still. I mean, I, I haven't run a promotion like this before, and I'm sure we're screwing up left and right, but it still seems to be going pretty well. Yeah. My in my head goal was 100k, just based on mm-hmm. like nothing, and I think we'll hit that. So the the promotion's still going. It's Friday right now. Uh, it closes Monday, Monday night, okay. and so uh, hopefully we'll get over that bar, that pretend bar that I made up for no reason. Mm-hmm. But even if we don't, that's it's pretty cool. So walk me through what did the launch process look like? Was there an email, an initial email that went out on launch day? Have you been sending follow up emails? What yep. does that process look like? Yeah. So there have been actually a bunch of emails. I set up a thing. So once you submit your email, we send you um, like, here are the pain points that we're hoping to address with this thing. Mm-hmm. I think we opened email, the, the capture like last week. So we ran for about a week just capturing emails and then we opened the sale on Monday. And so we didn't send a lot of emails when you signed up. It was basically like, here's what we are trying to solve. And all these things have been split based on whether or not you checked the box, which is like I manage other developers mm-hmm. and more on that in a little bit. But it was basically like, here are the pain points that individuals probably have here are the pain points that teams have. And I I think we have a pretty good handle on that because we talked to, we've heard from a lot of customers and I'm, I'm pretty familiar with these things. So I had a lot of people responding saying like, yes, can't wait. People were psyched about the pain points email. Then we sent them, here's the offer. Here's what we're going to, here's what's for sale basically and, and why we think it's good. Less excitement once people saw prices, as you might imagine. Like in the sure. beginning, it's like, this is going to be amazing. It's like, oh, it's going to be expensive too. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm a little less excited now, but still some people were, were into it. I think I mentioned this last week but sending out that like here's what we're going to offer cause a ton of like edge casey type questions yeah and also like this is a, a developer audience so they're like master edge case spotters <laughs> and so obviously and i kept kept going back and forth like well like what if this and how about that and then, like can we get it to be can we have like i wanted to have the same answer for both of us for edge cases so what if like what if i'm an annual grandfathered subscriber for ruby tapas what if i'm an annual like it was just like oh my god and so we spent a lot of time on that and then one morning i was just like i have a new answer to this question which is 
we're going to try to do something very reasonable for whatever your edge case is. And if you don't like it, we'll give you a refund. Mm-hmm. And that was what we ended up like shipping on the FAQ. So it's like pay the list price and then exactly from there we'll maybe figure out a discount or something exactly we're not going to discount the the initial price like everyone's going to pay those things just to keep it simple no coupons yeah. none, of, none of that if i go to like look at your account and like upgrade you to this thing and it's like okay wow he did, he he bought an annual plan 2 months ago all right we got to do something to to figure that out yeah but it was great to just realize like let's just case by case this if anyone's not happy we'll make them happy rather than a blanket policy this is going to be so much simpler so, so far, like, do you have a sense for how many of the sales you made are actual edge casey like that? Very few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah, very few. It was the people that had the weirdest edge cases that were emailing me, which right. kind of like directed my, our focus there. But in yeah. reality, most people like were, were new customers or, you know, like we're month to month and like, okay, like you might lose three days of, you know, access technically or like it, it, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I usually find is like the the squeaky wheels always gains more prominence in your head than they probably should. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. I think that was wise to uh, to just basically say, look, buy it for the list price. We'll adjust it later if needed. Totally. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad we took that approach. That 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 worked out very well. So Monday the morning sale opens. We did a ten percent off discount the first day, or the first twenty four hours. So we email people, hey, it's open. Go get it. By the way, ten percent off. The next morning. Uh, sent another email, which is like, hey, 10% discount expiring in three hours. So our, our first day was the best sales day by a lot. Like we, we did 39,000 the first day. Wow. And then the second day was 32,000. And a lot of that before the discount closed. So the, the, the discount window definitely seems to have dr- driven a lot of action. Yeah. Um, is my assumption, I think. We sent a follow-up this week of some samples. So to everyone that's like still hasn't, hasn't purchased... It's like, hey, Mm -hmm. how about some free stuff from both of us? Like, here's how Avdi and I talk about handling nil. So here's like a Ruby Tapas on nil, and here's an opcase on nil. And this will kind of give you a sense of the two services. Sure. And then I'm sort of in an interesting spot. So I wouldn't even mind your feedback on this. But we've had something like 180 or 190 people purchase it from a launch list of about 3,200 people. Mm-hmm. And some of those are probably people that weren't on the launch list. They just saw it through other channels where we've been promoting mm-hmm. it. I haven't like actually gone back and, and seen who was on the list. Almost everyone bought the cheapest thing. So almost mm-hmm. all individual plans. And almost everyone bought the cheaper tier of the individual thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned last week, I wish we had done more like a more thoughtful breakdown of the tiers. And so I think we're sort of paying for that and that we didn't really entice that many people into the upper tier. Yeah, but we have something like eight hundred people on the I manage developers list like segment, and we've sold like six teams or seven mm. teams. Mm. And granted, like a team is a much higher price point, but like we had like very little success converting team accounts in this so far. Yeah, do you know if the person who's managing the developers are they also the decision maker on <laughs> purchases? That's a great question. I don't know that, and I did I didn't word it that way. Yeah, I would imagine that. A good chunk of those people are maybe maybe they're a team lead within a team, and to actually make the purchase would require them to go to their manager, mm-hmm. ask for approval. Mm-hmm. A little extra friction there. Yep, I tried to anticipate that. Uh, like one of our FAQ questions was like, I basically wrote up a script. Like, here's how you might want to ask your manager or ask yeah. somebody for approval to buy this. Like, just like copy paste this text, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is more friction with team accounts. I would definitely expect a lower conversion rate, but I was surprised at how different it was. Yeah. And so one thing I'm actually thinking of doing, so that it's Friday morning now, it ends Monday night after the weekend. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about sending an email like right after this, basically, which is like, why haven't you bought yet? 
just like straight up ask, like, what's keeping you from doing this? Like, and just get some feedback from people because there may yeah. be something I can like kind of last minute address feedback wise. I assume we're going to get like a, a burst of sales as I send the like, this thing is closing email. But mm-hmm. if we can do something to like somehow make the, improve the offer for people, that would be nice to know before it's too late. Yeah, you could even do, I don't know, maybe you were thinking of doing this, but but ask them the question and you could even give them a few pre-filled answers that they can click and I was thinking like, that. turn that into a trigger link, you know? So oh, like, yeah. Too that's... expensive or whatever. And you could even, I mean, I don't know if you have time to instrument automated follow-up to that, you know? But... Uh-huh. I think I would just manually follow it up. The yeah. trigger links are interesting because I, I was thinking like it would be good to like pre-populate some things, like give some people, I want to lower the friction to answering. Yeah. But I didn't want to make a survey. I don't want to like send them to an external place and like, oh, now I'm doing a stupid survey. Yeah. But yeah, I might just do a free an email that's like free form and then have a couple like possible things. Like, is it this? Right. Is it this? Is it this? Like, just tell us, please. Yeah. I mean, and you could have, I don't know what kind of arrangement and how much flexibility you have with Avdi, but if someone says it's too expensive, you know, click that link, it could take them to a discount page or something like that mm. where you like immediately overcome that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Last ditch effort. I don't it's, know. It, yeah, it, it's worth a try. And it's funny though, like people email FormKeep or Upcase or whatever, like pretty frequently and saying like, hey, I have this situation. Can I have a discount? And a good percentage of the time, I'll just say, yeah, sure. Just sign up and I'll throw a discount on your on account uh, mm-hmm. like for this much once you're signed up. And they almost never sign up. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why that is, <laughs> but like I almost never get someone like taking me up on that. Even after they ask me, I say yes. Yeah, I found that too in... Um... When I was running CodeTree, it was like much smaller app and selling to developers. I would find that a lot more just people always wanting to shave off a little bit. Like I've figured out the optimal pricing for this and you should give me an X percent discount. Yes. And uh, yeah, usually it was not worth the trouble. Yep. I think though, maybe it's a little different in that it's a one-time sale and there's a little bit of time pressure to it. So mm-hmm. you're trying to get someone to like, all right, last call, like right. here's your last chance to buy. And if it's too expensive, all right, fine, here's a discount. But take it now or leave it. Yeah, I could see that being more effective than than normal. Yeah, I had somebody speaking of developers, and I've calculated the optimal thing. Who was when we were still like arguing with people about edge cases, he calculated, I swear, how much he should get a per, like a discount on his thing to five decimal points. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I signed up for this on this date for this amount, and then this on this date for this amount, and therefore, if I bought this, it was just like, oh my gosh. Dude, we don't do fractional pennies here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of amazing. It was like, boy, are oh, you man. a developer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. so um, that's, I think that's my focus today is just like, just ask people. That, that, yeah. usually, that usually seems to work, you know, find out what's going on. And I, my guess is like, even just sending that email will result in some people buying it. Be like, oh yeah, I meant to do it. I just hadn't gotten to it because it's not Monday yet. And like, right. But hopefully I'll get some feedback like that of, of something I could fix for people. Yeah. I would love to capture more teams. It was it was interesting when I emailed the people that manage developers. The most immediate question was I, I talked just about teams for those people, and like immediately, like a few dozen people emailed back and said, "What if I just want it for myself?" And I was mm. like, "Okay, well, <laughs> here's the link for that." But it became clear pretty quickly that like this was not a huge segment of people that were definitely going to buy for their team. Yeah, is there some kind of upgrade path from individual to team? Like, there's not. Which I was think I had this thought the other day, which there really should be. Yeah. I like, can imagine someone like you have to spend a certain amount of political capital to go to your manager and say, I want to buy this for my team. Right. But if you can say like, look, I've been doing this as individual and hey, manager, look at this. This is some of the stuff I'm learning. I think this would be great for the team. Totally. Boom. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that should absolutely be like an automated email we send, which is yeah. after a certain amount of time, if you're a highly engaged person, we, we could just do it for everyone. But maybe anyone that's not on like a Gmail address right. would be like a good <laughs> candidate for that. Like they're doing it for right. work. 
And the nice thing is you already have them segmented in Drip, so you know who marked the flag that they manage developers, mm. but then purchase the individual account, true. right? Yep. So you can do, do a little targeting there, too. That's true. Yeah, that's a good idea. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be cool if I could upsell them later. That's that's where yeah. the I mean that's where the money is. It's in the team yep. accounts. Um, we did have someone sign up ten developers, which is pretty fantastic. Nice. That's a big win for us. So yeah. very nice. But overall, cool. it's it's going well. And it's funny for some reason the subscriptions don't cause this same effect in my brain. But we have like a Slack channel where the sales are pumped into, and like going away and having lunch and coming back and it's like wow we made fifteen hundred dollars while I was eating lunch. <laughs> like it's the same thing with like the SaaS apps and the recurring stuff, but for some reason the one-off purchase is just triggered a different way, and it's like, oh man, that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah, maybe you'll get the maybe you'll get the same bump if it was like a bunch of annual purchases of your SaaS app uh, yeah. or something. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's true. Anywhere close to four digits. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been starting to spin up more and more like targeted Slack channels. Mm, yeah, like we have intercom feed into Slack just so we can kind of like we have a support person, but I like to kind of just keep tabs on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it gets kind of noisy in the product room. So like now we have like a upcase support room and then like an upcase tapas tapas room and an upcase tapas sales room. And I'm actually kind of l- liking having that segmentation. Yeah. We've done the same thing where we have like we used to pipe everything into the development channel. Like we have in- some incident monitoring coming in there and uh, we have a whole sign. We actually do still have a signups channel for Drip because we used to use that to monitor like abuse indicators. Like this mm. person looks sketchy. So yep. we need need to look at them now we pipe that into support but yeah segmentation of slack channels is always a good idea i think um mm-hmm. minimize noise cool yeah so i'm feeling uh, pretty good about that it's i really enjoyed working on it it's fun to like work on a thing and ship it and get out the door and like have some revenue rolling in and it's nice to work on like a tightly bounded project like this yeah and it wasn't i mean it was more work than i thought it would be but it wasn't that much work and mm-hmm for something like 40 to 50 grand in additional revenue that I can then go spend on other things that will hopefully produce more revenue, that's sure. a pretty sweet win. And, and then yeah. I'm also expecting to convert a pretty decent portion of these annual people into to, to re, re-up them next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as we treat them right and they're happy, I think we could, could do that. So it could be like a fairly permanent lift to MRR, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, good week. Exciting week. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to talk to you. You too, man. Cool. Today's show was produced and edited by www.thanksforeditingthepodcast.tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 227. Thanks for listening.